In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I proclaim to you the distress, the endurance, and the glory of the kingdom. On this Divine Mercy Sunday, let us understand where it is we sit in that glory of the kingdom, hearing great gospel power, the gift of the sacrament of confession, whose sins you forgive are forgiven. Humankind from now on does not need to be bound in either the weakness or the strictness of their psyche and their psychology, but can know absolutely the mercy and forgiveness of those who repent in truth. And that message, repentance for the forgiveness of sins in the name of Jesus, is preached beginning in Jerusalem and to the ends of the earth. And in that revelation, the Apostle John says, I proclaim to you the distress and the endurance and the glory of the kingdom. On this Sunday, we call now divine mercy because our Lord Jesus chose, beginning in 1922, to appear to a young Polish nun, St. Faustina Kowalska, until her death in 1938, give to her a message that she wrote down that was pondered over much in the life of the church until she was canonized on the second Sunday of Easter in the year 2000, which strangely is now almost a quarter century ago. And I simply bed, uh, meditate on the presence of God in history. The First World War, which ravages the European continent, the heartland of the Christian faith, for what amounts to what is generally agreed upon, no discernible reason. Yes, if you studied your textbook, the Archduke Franz Ferdinand, heir to the Austro-Hungarian throne, was killed by Serbian separatists in Belgrade, and that caused the whole of Europe to massacre itself for what reason again? If you want a more explicated version, you can read George Weigel's great book, The Cube and the Cathedral. It the First World War wipes away all the last vestiges of what we might have called Christendom. So-called Christian kings and queens and so on and so forth. No more identification formally as Christian nations. All of the colonizing powers lose grip on their colonies so that religion in the colonies is no longer institutional, right? Religion in the European continent is no longer a governmental institutional reality. And the institutional structures of the gospel were not prepared for that. It took some years for the fall to take complete hold. Only about 40, right, in what we call the cultural revolution of the 1960s, where a generally speaking more or less formalistically Christian culture. Most people go to church on Sundays. Most people believe lying is a bad thing. There's a greater or lesser promotion of Christian social mores in the culture. In the span of about five years, completely flips on its head. 
to the devastation of the practice of religion across the Western world. Ironically, in the former European colonies, the Christian gospel flourishes because it didn't have any institutional binds and structures. It had parish churches, it has cardinals and bishops and priests and deacons and nuns and religious and so on and so forth, but it doesn't have this massive governmental institutional structure to live behind. It doesn't have people who say, well, I broke the moral law and I feel bad because the people will think badly of me. All that, go gone. I mean, completely gone. And God plants this message in this context that has to be fought over, wrestled over, discerned, so that only at a dawn of a new millennium will it be proclaimed as a message to be preached on Divine Mercy Sunday. It is, of course, as old as the gospel. As the Father sent me, so I send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, whose sins you retain are retained. The gospel for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in my name from Jerusalem until the ends of the earth. Now we stand as the children of an age of chaos. And what the future holds, we know not. And it is not for us to know, praise God, save this. I may confess Jesus Christ and by baptism hold his life in my heart. I can call on his name in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health. And unlike marriage, it's not in death do us part, but in death we shall see each other face to face. And I can go easy or hard, but eat the body and drink the blood of the Savior and have life. I can find a place to confess my sins. I can rejoice that I live in the most literate age in the history of the world, and I can read the Bible and the catechism and the lives of the saints and good theology and so on and so forth. I can even be happy for a while that the internet exists because there are great websites and podcasts and all that sort of thing. All that exists. But hear it now as the distress and the endurance and the glory it is radically personal, which is hard because you have to do it. No one will do it for you, and it might be incredibly inconvenient. But it is beautiful because it's radically personal. And do not be afraid. This closing note, they're all locked up on Easter Sunday because of fear. You know who's not? Thomas. He's not there. He's out and about, talking to the people, hearing what's going on. And so when he comes back and says, unless I see, I won't believe, and he is an icon of the world, and you and I get the joy to show, see his hands and his side in me. Here is my wounded life that is healed in Christ. Here is my imperfect life that strives for perfection. Here, come. Father will prattle on and on. Don't worry about that. 
kneel down and pour your whole heart out to God. Go and confess your sins. Father won't judge you. You'll be lucky if he stays awake. But when he wakes back up at the end, he will give you mercy from the heart of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then let's go and have coffee and talk about it. And let's walk together. This is the beauty of the age. It's the difficulty, right? It is the distress and the endurance, but it's the glory of the kingdom of our Savior Jesus Christ. It was reminded us in St. Faustina, tell the whole world that the greatest of any sin is as nothing. It is a drop in the ocean of my mercy. Tell them this. It's hard. They won't want to believe it. It'll be hard to show it. You'll screw it up sometimes. And then your priest will say something stupid. And then your bishop will do something wrong. It'll make it even harder. Hopefully not too often. But you have that love of Christ. That knowledge of his mercy. And the ability to share the distress and the endurance and the glory of the kingdom of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.